Well, good morning, church, and blessed Sabbath to you all. It's a blessing to be here today. Uh, I deem it a privilege. Uh, It's been a difficult week, also a cold one, Um, but uh, we have the courage to come to church this morning, so praise the Lord for that. And it's been a, a good Sabbath as far. I just want to apologize to the youth group. I wish we had more time to have the discussion, but uh, the Lord knows why, and His will be done. I want to send greetings this morning before we begin from the Plumstead Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, your sister church in the southern suburbs. Um, If you do find yourself lost one Sabbath on the southern suburbs of Cape Town, you're most welcome to come to 242 Main Road, um, Plumstead. Um, you'll find the church next to the wheel, Meals and Wheels sign. Um, you'll see a lovely congregation, a bit smaller than this. Um, but you are welcome to come and worship with us. And if I'm there, I'll invite you for lunch. Um, so come prepared. And if I'm not there, and no one invites you for lunch, um, please do speak to me. And I'll set the record straight. Um, I also send greetings from my family, um, my wife Andrea, my son um, Noah, and my daughter Eden. Um, unfortunately, they could not make it today uh, for commitments at the local church. Um, to be honest with you, um, my daughter did not want me to come today. Um, she saw I was leaving a bit early. And she asked, Daddy, where are you going to? And I said, uh, I'm going to Belleville Church. And then she says, do you have to go? <laughs> and I said, yes, I have to share the word of God with his people today. And then she said, do you have to go? <laughs> um, but luckily, my wife distracted her. I slipped out the front door and was able to make my way safely here. So good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be here. The title of the message this morning is To Him That Overcomes. To Him That Overcomes. In the book of Revelation, chapter 17, we, we come across a vision that is given by God to John of, of what would take place before the coming of Christ. Here, John, as he's taken up into vision, he depicts that before the coming of Jesus, Satan will move in the last days through an apostate church. We see this in Revelation chapter 17, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, and and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. Here we see the apostate church. The woman in the Bible represents the church. But this church, according to the book of Revelation chapter 17, rides on the beast. 
a political power, a kingdom, to ensure that Satan's last plan is accomplished. But in the midst of the satanic master plan, in the midst of the satanic revelation, and in the midst of Satan's final attacks, we are given a message of hope. You see, as John is taken into vision in Revelation chapter 17, as he sees this plan unfolded by the enemy, the Bible tells us in verse 13 and 14 the following. John sees a people that do not stand with the beast. These are people that are not deceived by the master plan of Satan. They are not overcome by the tribulations of the enemy. And they are not deterred by his attacks. The Bible says in verse 13 of Revelation chapter 17, These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb. And the Bible says, And the Lamb shall overcome them. For he, the Lamb, is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. But the Bible says, as he pictures the Lamb that overcomes the beast, the Lamb that overcomes the political power, the Bible depicts a group of people that experiences victory. The Bible says, and they that are with him are called, they are chosen, and they are faithful. So the question to us this morning is, how do we then overcome? How are we to stand with Jesus as we navigate through the last few chapters of this world's experience? And how are we able to meet our Lord when He comes? Because the Bible tells us in Revelation 2 verse 7, to those that overcome, will He, God, give them right to the tree of life which stand in the midst of paradise. And so the Bible tells us, to those that overcome is granted eternal life. And so the question is, how do we overcome? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are about to dive into this message. We know, Lord, that any man can open up this book and memorize texts. But Father God, only you can give understanding. Your word tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we pray, dear Father God, that as we search the scriptures, for in it is life eternal, and they are they which testify of you, we pray that the Holy Spirit that inspired your word will direct us and lead us into all truth. I pray, dear Father God, that you will keep all distractions away and that Jesus will be lifted up so that all of us that are hearing your word this morning will be drawn to you. I pray for myself and I ask, Lord, that not I, but Christ, be honored, loved, and exalted. Not I, but Christ, be seen, be known, and be heard. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 1. We will be spending most of our time in the book of Revelation. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament. And we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 1. Now the book of Revelation is a book that is written for those that are living just before the coming of Christ. It is a book that is written for those that are living in the last days. For we are told in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, the Bible says the following, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. We also read in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 1 the following, um, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall, be, shall wail because of him, even so, amen. And so here we are told in the book of Revelation chapter 1, that the letter of Revelation is written particularly or practically for those that are living just before the coming of Christ. John here, as he opens up the book of Revelation, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he tells us that the time is at hand. What time is that, John? The time that Jesus is preparing to collect his saints to go home. But, ultimately, the book of Revelation is to reveal to us, to you and I, the woe and the work of God in the last days. For we are told in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which were shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. And so what is written before the coming of Christ is God reveals himself. And so ultimately, what we find, what Revelation is trying to tell us, it is a revelation of God. You see, beloved, why is this so important? You know, we live in a world that even though the Bible is more accessible to us than before, by a, a touch or a scroll of the finger, we can come across the thoughts and the hearts of God. However, even though that this is the case, we live in a world that lives as if God does not exist. People are increasing in knowledge, but not in the knowledge of God. They are having an experience, but not experiencing God. And revelation is written to you and me this morning to reveal to us that God is still present. That God is still at work and that God is still in control. But now as John writes this letter, as John writes this letter of revelation to the church that is living before the time of Jesus coming, John writes this letter as a man that has experienced tribulation. We read this in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 1. The Bible says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation 
and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John, the Bible tells us here in Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, is stranded to the Isle of Patmos. He has gone through tribulation. For the, the Bible says he is there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here is a man that has gone through tribulation. And John says, I am your brother in tribulation. But as John emphasizes the fact that he has gone in tribulation or has experienced tribulation and he's stranded on the Isle of Patmos, the Bible says that in the midst of his tribulation, Jesus meets him. And he is taken up into vision. And the Bible says in verse 10, And I was in the spirit of the, on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And so here as John is, finds himself in tribulation, finds himself in, in the midst of difficulty for standing for Jesus, stranded on the Isle of Patmos, he feels alone and forsaken. But as he experiences this, the Bible tells us that Jesus meets him on the Sabbath day. The Bible says it is the Lord's day. And according to me, the Bible depicts the Lord's day as the Sabbath day. And what we are told as Jesus meets John on the Isle of Patmos, Jesus gives him a vision. The Bible says in verse 12, the following. And I, John, turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And so just understand this. John is stranded on the Isle of Patmos. Why is he there? Because he has stand for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God. And he's going through a tribulation. But as he is going through a tribulation, the Bible says that Jesus meets him there. And as he meets him there, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes this letter, Revelation chapter 1, for those living in the last days. And he tells them, Jesus tells them, this is the revelation of the will and work of God. And John, as he's taken into vision, he sees Jesus in the midst of the golden candlesticks. And the question as we read this is, what does this mean to you and me? Now, as John writes the book of Revelation, we see a lot of sanctuary language. In fact, as we progress through the book of Revelation, we see the ministry of God moving from the outside of the sanctuary into the sanctuary, into the holy place, and through to the most holy place. Now, this is very interesting. As the, the opening chapter of the book of Revelation, as, as John sees Jesus, he sees Jesus in the midst of the golden candlesticks. 
Now let me ask you a quick question. Where in the sanctuary is the candlesticks? In the holy place. So here as Jesus, as John meets Jesus, he meets Jesus in the, the holy place. But as we go through the book of Revelation, we see Jesus moving from holy to most holy. Because we find in Revelation chapter 11 verse 19 the following. The Bible says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of the testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquakes and a great hall. And a great hall. Where is that found? The ark of the testament, the ark of the covenant. In the most holy. So here we find, as, as, as John writes the book of Revelation, as he's progressing this idea that we will go through tribulation, he sees Jesus, Jesus in the sanctuary, in the most heavenly sanctuary, moving from holy to most holy. And why is this important? Why is John emphasizing this idea? Because the way how God saves us practically is seen in the sanctuary. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 77 verse 13, he says, Thy way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. So understand this now very quickly. John is on the Isle of Patmos. He is stranded there for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of being forsaken, Jesus meets him. And the first thing that Jesus reveals to him is Jesus in the midst of the candlesticks. So the question I need to ask you this morning is, what does candlestick, or what does the candlesticks represent in the Bible? Now the candlesticks, according to the Bible, represents the church. How do we know this? Revelation chapter 1 verse 20, let the Bible speak. The Bible says, The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sowest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sowest are the seven churches. So here John writes and he says, um, God gives him a vision, and he gives him a vision of Jesus in the midst of the candlesticks, and he says, what does the candlesticks represent? It is Jesus in the midst of the church. So the golden candlesticks represent the church. Now I want to ask you a quick question. Do you remember how the candlestick was made in the sanctuary? It was made of gold. But when we look at the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 8, we find that the candlestick was made of not just any gold. It was made of pure gold. Go with me to the book of Exodus very quickly. Keep your finger in the Revelation. And we go to the book of Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. And we read verse 8 very quickly. What was the purpose of the sanctuary? Let's read verse 8. And the Bible says God gives 
Moses the vision here, and he gives him the instruction. He says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, where was Jesus in, in Revelation chapter 1? He was uh, among the church. But how was the candlesticks made? Verse 31, the Bible says, And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls and his knops, his flowers shall be made of the same. In other words, the whole church will be made of not just any gold, but pure gold. Now, I'm not in the mining sector. I'm actually in the finance sector. Or I was in the finance sector. I'm now in a different sector. But I don't know about you, but if you were to find gold, and I've been watching a couple of videos on this, and uh, if you had to mine gold, gold in its, in its, in its rawest form is not beautiful at all. In other words, it, it's covered with rock and, and, and dirt and, and just not a beautiful sight. If someone had to tell me, give me a rock, and you say, you know, you have to pay 100,000 rand for that, I was like, no way. But when that rock is refined, when the, when the, when the, when the dirt is, is, is taken away, and the, the gold metal is put into the crucible and placed under the fire. And when it's taken out and we separate all the copper and, 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 and the, all the other elements, we find ourselves this, this pure gold that seems to be an attraction to the world. In fact, I was told the other day, if you want to invest in anything, invest in gold. Because when the world loses its value, gold does not. In fact, people find it as a safe haven to invest in. But it's very interesting. God depicts the church as gold. Pure gold. Tried in the fire. In other words, God depicts the church in the last days going through a process of refinement. They will go through tribulation. But the promise is given that the church will stand. In other words, the church will overcome. You see, God's church in the last day is a victorious church. So when we read Revelation, the first thing we read about is the experience of the church as they go through the different experiences, go through a tribulation. But what we find in the church is that through the churches, as we read this, this vision that God gives himself to, to John to give to the world, we find the church going through tribulation. So we find the first church, the church of Ephesus, they have lost their first love, but the Bible gives them a promise of overcoming. And then we move from the church of Ephesus and we go to the church of Samaria. The Bible says that this church, they go through tribulation, but they are granted the crown of life. They have given a promise of overcoming. 
And then we move from the church of Smyrna to the church of Pergamos. This is a church that goes through an experience of fornication, but the Bible gives them a promise of overcoming. And then we move from the church of Pergamos and we go to the church of Tahitra. And the Bible says they are deceived by Satan. But even though this is a case, the Bible gives them the promise of overcoming. The Bible says in verse 6 of Revelation chapter 3, 2, And he that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. But as we move from the church of Tahitra to the church of Sardis, Though they be doubtful at times, the Bible says in chapter 3, verse 5, God gives them the promise of overcoming. And as we move from the church of Sardis, we move to the church of Philadelphia. Though they be taken by tribulation and temptation, the Bible gives them the promise of overcoming. And then finally, we find the church of Laodicea. In Revelation chapter 3, though they're going through spiritual deform and nakedness, the Bible gives them the promise of overcoming. But how do we overcome? Go with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we read... Verse 7, the Bible says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In other words, how does the church overcome? The church is made of, of gold. The gold represents faith. Their faith has been tried and tried and tried, but they overcome the enemy and the attacks and the master plan of Satan by faith and faith alone. You see, how is the church able to stand in the last days? They stand by faith. There is no victory in them. That's why the Bible says in Revelation chapter 17 that they stand with the Lamb. And it's through the Lamb's experience that they overcome. In fact, the spirit of prophecy is true when it says it is not the capabilities you now possess or ever will possess that will give you success. It is that which the Lord can do for you. In other words, we cannot work ourselves into heaven. We overcome. We are not deceived. We overcome sin by faith. Did you get that? Because we're bringing the sermon to a close. How does the church overcome in the last days? By faith. You see, in Revelation chapter 3, in the church of Laodicea, the Bible says the following of the church. In verse 17, be 
because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, I have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art poor, wretched, miserable, and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salt, that thou mayest see. As, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and be zealous therefore, and repent. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. In other words, Jesus is saying that we as a church in the last days, that righteousness and faith cannot be bought. But he counsels us to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. So the question is, how do we buy this gold tried in the fire? As we bring this message to a close, go to the book of Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. And we read verse 1. The Bible says, Oh, everyone that thirsteth, thirsteth, come he to the waters. And he that hath no money, come he buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken dil dil diligently unto me, and eat he that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. But how, Jesus? Verse 3, Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even sure the mercies of David. In other words, we obtain faith by surrendering and hearing the word of God. We obtain faith by surrendering ourselves to God's word. It is a life that is surrendered to the word of God. That is why Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And no one, beloved, can buy a relationship with Jesus. No one can buy a relationship of you and I spending time in the word of God. You can try it. But I can tell you now that when the time of tribulation comes, when you find yourself in a dark space and you do not have Jesus, you will be lost. 
And so Jesus says this morning, if you are to overcome, you can overcome, but by faith. By surrendering ourselves to the Word of God. Jesus says, no matter what trial you find yourself in, no matter what tribulation you might come through or go through, he says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be as red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Jesus is saying that no matter what our life has been, it does not need to be the same if we but surrender ourselves to Him. And so the church is able to overcome, the church is able to stand because they are able to stand on the Word of God. They live a life of faith. And so the Bible says that Jesus is in the midst of the church. But I want to ask the question this morning, is Jesus the center of your life? Maranatha 174, paragraph 2, the servant of the Lord says, God has not forsaken His people, and our strength lies in not forsaking Him. And so the Bible says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords, and the King of kings. And those that are with Him, those that are with Him, that will overcome, that experiences victory, that will stand when Jesus comes, they are called, they are chosen, and they are faithful. Brothers and sisters, may we surrender ourselves to God and His Word today. Amen.